As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only podcast. Yes, Ben Standing here. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I will be at FedEx Field Sunday for what is a sneaky big game as the Washington Commanders host the Atlanta Falcons. Commanders 6-5, and five, Falcons 5-6. Five and six. Uh, It is a playoff push here for the Commanders. I know we may not have thought that uh, some time back, but here they are. Um, to help me discuss that, the latest on Chase Young and some of the other injuries and just kind of the vibe of this team and really some just random silliness with my guy pete haley from nbc sports washington it was a um you know we were at practice today it was kind of the the lazy practice situation there i'm saying for us i'm not saying the players were lazy i'm just saying the general vibe of course the day after thanksgiving hope everyone had a great holiday by the way um and uh you know when you go in the locker room on a friday in general it's a pretty sparse crowd Today was no different, especially, I think, with the holiday. There was also um, perhaps the World Cup. We had some people getting ready to go. So uh, Pete and I just kind of leaned into that vibe, and I really enjoyed the chat, uh, looking at uh, where things are at with uh, this team heading into a big game. All right, so you can check that out here in a second. Of course, if you missed podcast earlier this week, I had uh, Dane Brugler, our NFL Draft Insider, give us his thoughts on the 2023 NFL Draft, things to consider as you're watching college football games here down the stretch of the season. And then midweek, uh, Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post and I did a lot of fill-in-the-blank, true-false-type questions about this team to try to get a, a feel for where they are at uh, moving forward. Uh, lastly, the Athletic, I always mention the idea of subscribing, and obviously I really appreciate how so many of you have done that. If you have been sort of hesitant or you're thinking or you want to give a gift to someone, I, the Black Friday deal is here. $1 a month for an entire year. Typically, it's somewhere along the lines of six months. This is for the full year. You can do that. Just go to any one of my articles, click on that if you're not already a subscriber, and boom, you can sign up that way. Um, all right, uh, so just a quick thing. I, I, Pete and I talked about some of this. We still do not know if Chase Young will play. Uh, uh, he, he has been practicing. 
And based on Ron Rivera today, it felt the most optimistic that I have uh, heard them talk about Chase Young in terms of where he's at physically. He seems to me like he is probably more likely now to play at least somewhat on Sunday. Definitely not a big role. We, we heard Rivera previously tell us probably 12 to 16 snaps. Uh, so that will be something to keep an eye on. But I, I'm feeling more confident about saying that Chase Young plays on Sunday, whereas before um, in the conversation I had with Nikki, I was thinking that maybe he sits out this week and then if he does, skip him for New York because of that lousy turf. And obviously if he does play, we'll see if he's able to go uh, there. Uh, Cole Holcomb on IR. He's missed the last three games. And now he's going to miss at least four. They're going to, he's going to go see a foot specialist uh, or, you know, and or essentially getting a second opinion. Rivera said it just was not uh, improving as desired. So a big blow there, because obviously, as we've discussed, it's just such a thin position for this group. But, uh, you know, we'll see what they do uh, for that. Pete and I talked about that as well. And then Benjamin St. Juice also out. Uh, obviously, that's he's become one of the more valuable players on this defense. It's funny how, you know, they're playing Atlanta this week. Atlanta drafts Drake London with the eighth pick, the six foot five receiver from USC. And he's often plays in the slot or, you know, at least that was the plan for them. And when they had St. Juice in the spot in the slot, part of that conversation was going against guys specifically like Drake London. And now, whether inside or outside, they won't have St. Just available. So that that's all something to keep an eye on. Also, Logan Thomas it was is going to be questionable for this game, as is Chase Young. Everybody else practiced in full. Logan Thomas didn't actually participate in practice today. Uh, I think there's some optimism about him playing. Because uh, otherwise they would, and otherwise they would just be down to John Bates and Cole Turner. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised, to be honest, that they have not added a tight end to the practice squad at least. But uh, but there you go. By the way, Milo Eifler on the 53 now, uh, replacing Cole Holcomb. All right, so that's kind of the, the the quick gist there. Again, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Um, but I did feel like I wanted to give a little bit of a of, of a update since it's been a, a few days since I did a podcast. So let's get to it. My conversation with Pete Haley from NB, NBC Sports Washington, one of the co-hosts, of course, of the very popular Washington Talk podcast. And at Pete Haley, H-A-I-L-E-Y, NBCS on Twitter. All right, uh, here we go. Our fun, random, and hopefully insightful conversation about Commanders, Falcons, and a whole bunch more here on the Standard Groom Only Podcast. All right. Uh, joining us back on the podcast. It's been a minute on this podcast, but of course you can always hear him on the, what are we calling it these days, the Washington Football Talk Podcast? That is still the name. A I, name that I abhor a little bit, but still the name. Ah, you know, look, it, 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 it's understandable. At least you didn't change it to Commanders. Of course, that's the, the voice of Pete Haley from, uh, wait, Oh, do I say NBC Sports Washington or Monumental Sports? I really don't know. I'm actually. Huh. I think it's technically Monumental Sports. We're like pretending to be NBC Sports Washington until the season ends. So just Pete Haley. We just my brand is strong too. Ab- ab- absolutely. Um, well, look, I wanted to get in a, a film uh, expert guy to come in here before <laughs> before is he the in later? 
No, you're right here. You're all over the film this year. Um, we just got done at the Commander's Locker Room on Friday. Friday's always a pretty quiet day in the locker room. The, um, I don't know, 85% of the people are out. Uh, so it's a lot of us just sitting there talking to each other. Um, that, that spurred on the idea of having Pete come back on the podcast. Um, it is a weird world. Like, they have been, to be in this post-Thanksgiving situation, and we're talking about the Commanders, not just as, like, can they make the playoffs, which is still a question, but it feels like it's even going more than that because you look at the schedule with Atlanta and the two games against the Giants. I think teams that people feel are beatable. This team is surging. They have the best record in the league over the last six weeks. And yet, I I, I don't I, I still every time I feel like I'm moving towards that direction, I'm like, oh well, hold on a second. I don't know if I can completely buy into this. Where are you on the are they good? Are they not? Are they contending? Are they not? Bit. I'm settling on them being good and being a playoff threat. I just don't know if they're a threat in the playoffs if they were to get there because their formula is so specific and we haven't seen them in a game recently where they've had to stray from it. The Eagles game was the royal flush of games for them. Everything came up their way. Last week was a little bit less, but they still ran the ball 40 times and let their D-line swallow up a really bad offense. The Vikings, the Colts, all these games were in the low 20s, high teens, and were able, uh, you know, the commanders were able to stick to what mattered to them. They haven't had a game necessarily where Heineke's had to grip it and rip it 40 times. So until that happens, and I think that would happen against a playoff opponent or maybe against the Cowboys um, in that final game if it's necessary, I think that's when we'll see that there are some flaws. But the way they're playing and the opponents that are coming up, I think they can win enough to qualify for the postseason, which is wild. Except for the Titans game, I thought they were deader than dead. A hundred percent. I mean, look again; they were a Benjamin Benjamin St. Juice tackle at the goal line away from being one in five, mm-hmm. and yet uh, he, here they are. Um, I keep asking at the press conferences or players, at what point did you think this thing turned around? Um, you know, obviously it could be a lineup situation. It could be a commitment to a certain type of, you know, uh, game plan. It could be, uh, I don't know, maybe a certain trade. I don't know, whatever, whatever it might be. Is there, is there a spot for you? I mean, I'll give you mine if you need to, if you need to contemplate it for a second, but is there, is there something for you that signaled why, why this thing has turned around or when it turned around? Yeah, I mean, there's there's Brian Robinson. I think the secondary, you know, the D-line gets a ton of credit, and rightfully so, but the secondary being able to get these safeties on the field all at once is really good. But I'll go maybe just for the hell of being, like, anecdotal and, and artistic. Uh, that game against the Packers where McLaurin and Taylor hooked up for that late third down pass. They had the touchdown earlier where Terry came to the sideline and just was going nuts. I'll say Terry McLaurin feeling like he's a part of the offense again and being able to ascend to like a leader where he's not being underutilized or, or not targeted, but being involved constantly and letting his his mystique blossom has been a really big turning point. Because I think Terry is one of the rare receivers in the NFL who will get O-linemen and running backs and safeties to follow him. Normally it's the quarterback or, or maybe a linebacker, the guys who are in the middle of things. But Terry has that ability to galvanize and i think him in that packers game feeling like okay i'm i'm the star again has been really helpful you know what's so interesting is like typically i think for a lot of teams but maybe this one in particular when somebody gets signed to a big contract it's like oh boy (laughs) are they gonna get you know kind of fat kind of lazy kind of full of themselves whatever it might be the two guys they've signed to extensions the last two years it's been the literal opposite because john allen 
like I'm not saying he wasn't worth the extension, but I think there was at least some wonder about when you're looking at the four linemen, is he one you definitely want to commit to first, even though he was the first one picked. And then last year he has his best year. And this year may be better than that year. And Terry McLaurin, you know, he's obviously been kind of the same. I don't mean that in a bad way, but the difference is he's become far more alpha. And it's like the the money has given maybe both of them some extra level of confidence to say, I can speak up. I can, I, I, I'm believed in, I don't know, whatever it is. And I just said about McLaurin, his, his alphaness has definitely been showing, especially during this last stretch for reasons like you're saying, they're also getting him the ball, but he's making those plays, the, the 50, 50 balls and just being, you know, that guy as a, as a Ben grunts. Yeah. Yeah. There are a couple alphas in this room. There are a couple alphas there in that locker room over there. I was of course <laughs> referring to Ben and I, um, like Cam Curl, if, if you sign him to an extension this offseason, I could see him being a guy like that who, you know, he, the way he plays, the way he studies, I don't fear him all of a sudden falling off a cliff and not caring about football anymore. Um, it, it is a good sign. And does Ron deserve credit? No, I don't know, because neither of these guys were players he found, but he at least took the strides to lock them up, and both of them are delivering, and you got to keep hitting on the cornerstones like that. So it'll be interesting is Duran now one of those? Is Cam Curl a priority? Montez down the line and Chase Young in a couple years too. But uh, so far so good on the doling out of the major contracts for uh, keeping guys around in the Rivera era. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, let's talk about a little bit about this game. The throughout the off season, my I, I was like the the bit of like who's the most indispensable player on the team, and I, I've said like Cole Holcomb to me has got to be higher up than like maybe what his ability is because of the fact not only is he calling the plays, the depth is pretty questionable behind him. And today they place him on IR, so he's out at least four weeks, and you know they still have that issue. And yet, today is a day in which I don't even need, because now we haven't played without him for three weeks, so we've sort of seen what they're going to do. No Benjamin St. Juice mm-hmm. for the Atlanta game. This, to me, is potentially a huge, I don't know, problem is overstated, but like, I have literally no idea who would, who is going to play outside corner. I don't know they even have one. They certainly don't have one that's proven. And therefore, it's really going to be interesting to see this. I think this is a huge deal. I think you pointed out, though, this is maybe a good game for this to be a big deal because of the opponent style. But at the same point, no St. Just, uh not great. Yeah. Um, Falcons only have three guys with over 25 catches this year, and one of them is Kyle Pitts, who's on IR as well. So I guess if you're going to be really thin at corner, this is a good time between their receivers and Mariota at quarterback. Um but could it be Christian Holmes, seventh-round rookie? He's been great on specials, but being a gunner versus shutting down a, a receiver on third and seven is a big difference. 
They got rid of Rashad Wild Goose out of the slot because they didn't like what he was doing, and he was getting a lot of penalties, defensive pass interferences. They gave Danny Johnson a shot. Uh, he had the interception against the Vikings. I thought maybe he would be in there. So maybe they put Danny on the outside. They have Corn Elder on the practice squad. They could bring him up. We thought he had a pretty good camp, but he's been on the practice squad now for 12 weeks. So St. Juice went from intriguing piece to really damn important in the span of about a month since they got rid of Jackson. And without him, yeah, it's Fuller and a whole bunch of question marks. And you can try and have all these safeties out there, but at some point you need a guy who can play corner and get a stop on a key play. And who that guy is going to be, I'm not sure. This is why it's so fascinating where this team is at. Because, as you say, they're going up against Marcus Mariota this week. Atlanta, second most rush attempts in the league this season. A lot of that is also Mariota running. But it's they are they understand who they are as a team, and it's not a team to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game, as Kyle Pitts fantasy fans <laughs> are well aware. My my I uh, I had him, I drafted him in the third round. I'm surviving despite that. Um, then the next two games, Daniel Jones, who I understand he he looks like John Elway when he plays these guys, but again, I'm not a guy yeah. that you're not leaning into. And then right after that is the Garoppolo game. After that is Cleveland, which I guess will be Deshaun Watson by that point, but it's been Jacoby Brissett. This is why the, the Taylor Heineke thing is so fascinating, because we, we talk about it in a vacuum of, is he good enough to take you somewhere? And yet we're talking about a defense like, oh, they're going to play a team in Atlanta. This is a kind of a playoff elimination game who we don't think has a quarterback mm-hmm. that can take advantage of that. The Giants may be the same thing. And so it's like Heineke is like, I think he's probably better he's probably in a different class than some people think, even if he's not in the top tier, top half the league class, of course. But, I mean, are we, are we checking off the – which box are we checking off? Taylor Heineke or Marcus Mariota or or, you know, or Heineke or Daniel Jones? I get that's not Brady or Dak, but I'm just saying, like, a lot of teams have not great quarterbacks or quarterbacks that you're like, yeah, I don't know. It, that's why the fact that this is working with this guy, it's like, ah, all right, I don't know. Maybe this is – relative to the league is not as bad as people are acting. Yeah, um, I guess it's annoying here in Washington because fans have been dealing with it for two decades. Atlanta, they just had Matt Ryan, so they can go through some right. some lean years. The Giants, like, they have the new head coach. There's there's future there. Maybe he can bring in a new quarterback, so their clock kind of resets. Um, and this offseason was all about Carson, and the year before was about Fitz, and both those guys flamed out rather quickly. So I understand that... Uh, the fans who are really dialed in here are like, oh, my God, we have Taylor Heineke. But, yes, they're playing some other teams with some backups or some C-level quarterbacks, and there are ways to work around it. Your luck will eventually run out, probably, unless you're like a Garoppolo who just has studs all over the place. The commanders are mostly star-studded on one side of the ball and uh, not the other, or at least you know the quarterback isn't surrounded enough by a great O-line and, and really good running backs to make it work. Uh, but Heineke, yeah, he can, he can definitely – their schedule's working out where he can definitely – lead or, or ride this team to the playoffs and uh it's a lot of all these teams that they're playing are kind of the same height as them they're they're not the tallest teams in the league and they're not going to really make a difference in late january early february but they can beat them to get to the playoff portion and then maybe maybe the reality check comes at that point yeah i mean that's the thing you never know when you get to the one and done situation uh, you never know for sure uh chase young he practiced today Again, Ron Rivera seemed to be more optimistic about where Chase Young is at than I think he's been. Where's the Pete Haley optimism scale in terms of playing this week? Yeah, it's so hard because we've feels like we've done this for 
three Fridays now. We get the reports from national guys heading in the right direction, this and that, and then it's, oh, uh, we're going to wait another week. But next week, oh, boy, he's really going to be ready. I think... I mean, should I meant to ask and didn't get the chance, but how the game at MetLife next week impacts things, that being that slit film turf that scares everybody. Would Ron want to play Chase this weekend and then on that or have him debut on that next week? I don't know. I think Chase will end up playing a very meager role, but I do think he'll play. Let him show up in the black uniforms on Sean Taylor weekend in a big game, get the crowd fired up, and hopefully he can help. But the good news is the defense is so damn good up front that you know if they need to wait a couple more weeks i think they survive i i have been saying that my if i had to guess i said this the other day on the podcast that he doesn't play till after the bye because it's like okay if he's not quite ready this week do you want to play him on that crappy turf up at up at metlife but today i think kind of what you said it feels like they're willing to accept that okay he's going to go play some snaps it's interesting because typically the guy in that role has got to play special teams <laughs> that's not going to happen <laughs> Can you even imagine seeing Casey on oh, special teams? That'd be so great. Um, yeah, that that would that would really set Twitter ablaze. <laughs> I'd love to watch that on film since I'm such a film guy. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I I was using um, my phone has a had a piece on the back that you could use as a stand, and I uh, could not. Uh, it broke off. So to use like sort of a stand, even though I'm not even using it now because I'm just holding yeah. it, I brought in this. Uh, NFL official record and fact book. Got a lot of questions, a lot of stats. Would you like to play a game? Let's do it. All right, really I quick. like where this is going. <laughs> so really quick. I Ben's just... original idea was to record this on the walk from the media room to the parking lot, which would have been about a three-minute guest spot. I think this has been more fun. Yeah, and it was too windy. Yeah. Pete made a producer call on yeah. that one. All right, I just randomly turned to a page. <laughs> 1991, who led the AFC and NFC in touchdown passes and bonus if you can get the numbers oh i'm never gonna touch that bonus and this is quarterbacks not teams right yeah i give you i'll give you a plus or minus three range okay so the numbers i'll say the nfc was 26 and the afc was 27 uh the nfc was 28 and then the range uh 20 afc was i just lost it 30 no big pass 33 okay uh, this is this could go really poorly for me because I could just show. Um, I'll do Mark Rippon for the '91 team just to kowtow to the listeners. For the AFC, no clue if this guy played in the '90s or the '80s. Dan Fouts. Well, think of it like this: if it was Mark Rippon that year, who would who who did Mark Rippon play in a pretty big game that year? Jim Kelly. Those are your okay. answers. Oh, all right. Is Dan Fouts a 90s player? No, that was like an earlier 80s uh, kind okay. of a guy. Thank you. For yeah. Donkey on me. No, no, no. You, you look, if you if you weren't born yet, I really can't <laughs> I can't uh, junk on you here. I, all right, here's another random one. I, this is I can't believe anybody's listening to this at this point. Rushing attempts in the Super Bowl career, uh, top three. Running backs. Yeah, only? running backs only. Um. Give me the breakdown, AFC versus NFC. How many? Two NFC, one AFC. Okay. Um, the NFC has got to be Emmett Smith. He is on the list. Okay. And then Roger Craig? No. <laughs> uh, John Riggins. Very good. Let's go. Wow, this is great that you're just finding ones with Washington ties. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we got yeah, to fake it a little bit here. And then AFC, uh, Larry Zonka. 
Uh, no, Franco Harris. He, he, he's got 101 in four games. Riggins is third with only two games. Wow. Um, most attempts per in, in a single game, John Riggins still holds the record with 38 uh, against the Dolphins. Woo! Fit right in with this current iteration of the Washington offense. That, that's what's so funny to me about this is, like, I feel like I've lived this life before. One for you. I feel like I've lived this life before, The uh, where they run more. And by the way, I've been saying this for years. I Hopefully somebody can li- who listens to this podcast more than once can remember when I said these things. But that <laughs> there's such a dearth at quarterback, and everybody just wants to have this sexy passing offense so they can tell their owner they're going to get a lot of points and get people in the stands. But there's just not enough quarterbacks. And leaning on the run – just makes more sense for some teams. And now, obviously, it looks like a lot of teams are kind of going that way. All right, Pete has uh, opened right. up the book. I, w- wish me luck. Most points in a single season, uh, it is top three. And it's two pretty recent running backs and then one very not recent do-everything kind of guy. So most points in a season, so we're talking touchdowns. Yeah, it's not going to be – there's no kickers on here. Well, one of the guys appears to have helped with the kicking game. George Blanda. Paul Hornick. Oh, yeah. He's second Packers, 176 in that 1960 year. You had him on your fantasy team. You, that was no, a no, late-round no. steal for you. Look, 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 look. <laughs> I didn't start playing fantasy until 62. So, no. <laughs> just missed him. I just missed him. All right, you should be able to get the other guys. Recent running backs. One of them had a nice cup of coffee with the burgundy and gold. Cup of coffee with the burgundy and gold? Like, um, maybe even, like, an espresso shot. Uh oh my god I'm terrible Gerald Riggs more recent Sean Alexander oh Sean Alexander I forgot that Third, year existed one sixty eight eight points behind Hornig and then this guy hundred eighty six two thousand six thirty one touchdowns stud wore a dark visor played out west um <laughs> come on am I terrible wait so not Emmett Smith super not Re- super recent but yeah more recent oh Ladanian Tomlinson yes. LT. Yeah. That's my LT. You got a different LT. I, 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 I do. This would be, I could do a whole podcast, a whole podcast show for a year, just flipping the pages and doing random records. Look, in the offseason, look, I'm sure, you know, at this point, this offseason, we all were wondering if this offseason was going to be include an ownership change, a quarterback search, maybe a head coaching search, maybe a GM search. Instead, Pretty clear. Rivera, Rivera, Heineke are locked in. Well, I'll leave the owner thing for another, for, for something else. By the way, did you see uh, Pete and I had some breaking news today? Oh, yes. At, we're recording this right before the U.S.-England uh, World Cup match. F.A. Obata, of course, from the U.K., he said he was going to watch it, but not just watch it. He's going to be on Twitch doing a commentary on the Men in Blazers channel with potential commander's owner Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah. F.A. Obata got to meet Wayne Rooney at practice whenever Rooney was here six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. Now he's hanging out on Twitch with McConaughey. He was on his way to get a haircut at like 110, and this thing probably starts at 2. He was really cramming in the haircut, but that's pretty damn cool. And I don't know if F.A. realizes the connection of McConaughey being a Washington fan and potential owner, but it's a good way to get some face time with that guy. Yeah, also his hair to me didn't look like it would need to yeah. be a haircut, but I... Don't, couldn't relate. Yeah, I couldn't relate. All right, I've kept Pete here way too long. Because lastly, are they going to win? If I had no idea about Vegas spreads and just was able to look at this game objectively, I'd say yes. But the fact, don't need to break it all down, but the fact that they are, they are four-point favorites against the Falcons, they are three-point favorites in Houston against a really awful Texas team. Texans team weirds me out. Uh, so I think the Falcons will win 
based solely on that. And that's a dumb way to look at it, but those people in Vegas seem to know things, and they really have an influence on me these days. Uh, You're totally – I get where you're coming from, and I like it. it, To me, this is like – Atlanta is like a fancier Houston. If you can – they're going to run the ball, and if you can stop the run – you feel pretty good. The difference is Mariota is not Davis Mills. Yeah. They have some other playmakers. I mean, they've been good this year. I mean, Arthur Smith is a pretty pretty interesting coach, to say the least. We didn't even get into the Arthur Smith, uh, Kyle Smith revenge game aspects. Yeah. Um, but that's a, a whole other thing. My non-Vegas breakdown is, yes, I think Mariota really stinks. And if you can plug up that run game, they have four guys who can run it, Mariota included, and then three running backs. But I think this D-line is up to the task. So non-Vegas, Pete thinks this is actually a really good matchup for Washington. And like usual, it'll come down to if Heineke can keep the ridiculousness uh, tamped down and just kind of take what's there, as Scott Turner likes to say, and these receivers and he like to say. If that happens, then, boy, I think they can win somewhat and, easily. Okay. Any uh, t- t- Anything people need to know? You're all over social media. You are the... Uh... Um, you know, the dominant force on all the mediums here. Anything anything people need to know? Uh, I never plugged my Instagram, and that probably seems smart if Twitter goes by the wayside. Underscore Peter Haley on Instagram. H-A-I-L-E-Y. I don't post a lot of great stuff. It's a lot of cat stuff. So if you follow Ben and you like his cat stuff, then you'll probably enjoy hanging out with me too. Any head nodding? Head nodding. No. No, I'm, try, I'm trying to. Ah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know what. Um, all right. Well, look, just 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 head nod in the direction of Pete. Always a great guest. Uh, go follow him on Twitter. Read his stuff on NBC Sports Washington slash Monumental Sports or whatever <laughs> it is. Thanks, ma'am. Yep. Thank you. Got to go watch Obata and McConaughey.